Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Eric Dominiani, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. And I'm super excited about our time together. So one of the things that we talked about before we hit record is everybody has a story. And our passion is to help them tell it. And what we know is details from your life are going, people are going to connect with that, with you. And they're going to go, it's going to inspire them to go out and do things like you've done, like start a company and start a charity and write a book, you know, that kind of thing, right? So with your permission, we're going to start with where you were born. Go all the way up to today, and then we can talk about. We're going to talk about Fiora Scotch, obviously, um, and, and your amazing veteran-owned company, right? Uh, but I want to get your life story on tape so that we can get to that. Okay. So okay. Let's start with where you were. Born. Okay, I was born in Brooklyn, uh, Bensonhurst, New York. Okay. But I was raised. I, I really can't claim it because I moved right after I was born. I was I was raised in Forest Hills, Queens, which I like to say is one. It's like the or the second. Always switches the most ethnically diverse county in the world. I love it. So I love it. That's cool. So a melting yeah. pot, right? Absolutely. And that's why you have me. <laughs> so what was your favorite thing about growing up there? I would say, looking back at it now, when I, when you're a kid, you, you take all these things for granted. And I will honestly say it was the mix. Uh, I grew up where you had a black Italian guy hanging around me. I mean, here's a perfect story. A black Italian guy and a Lebanese Armenian guy, uh, me with the Chinese girlfriend, him with a Pakistani girlfriend, growing up in a Russian Jewish neighborhood, going to get a Jamaican beef patty at an Italian pizzeria that's owned by an African guy and an Indian guy. Yeah, I love it. That's what I miss about home more than anything. Yeah, that's cool, man. That is awesome. So growing up, who was the most influential person to you? Alexander the Great. Yeah. Why, why is that? <laughs> it was I was in elementary school and we had to write a paper. Uh, I was must have been in second or third grade, something along those lines. And let me start. I, my parents, I'm first generation American. Right. Okay. And I wasn't raised on, uh, you know, I my, the comic books, my, my parents would didn't know that. So my comic books were Hercules. It was Greek mythology, Norse mythology, things like that. Right. So when I was in elementary school, my peers, we all had to write a story about which person is the most that you admire, who do you, you know, who's influenced you. And my friends were talking about like Babe Ruth or a singer. And I was, if you try hard enough, you could be like this person. Like these are people within your grasp. Right. I'm like, how do you compare, no offense, how do you compare Babe Ruth to Alexander the Great? Right. Conquered the known world at 19. <sighs> you know? Right. You know, uh, give me Achilles. Give me, I mean, it might be mythological or somewhat mythological, but those were the people who inspired me. King That's Arthur. Cool. I love you it. You know? That's awesome. That's cool. So <laughs> when you went to high school, did you have a favorite subject? 
Uh, biology. Yeah. Why? I was I I absolutely love science. It was a uh, just something that I. It, it's one of those subjects where you were glad to bring home and you couldn't get enough of it. Uh, I just kept reading more and more and more about um, you know um, uh, what do you call it about biology, anatomy, and physiology. Everyone knew I was going to be pre med. Everyone knew I was going to be a doctor. Yeah. Uh, eventually one day, and obviously that changed. <laughs> Yeah, a little, just a little. Right, right. right. The off ramp of life, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so in high school, did you play sports? I was uh, track and field. Okay. I did a lot of track and field. I devoted my life. I ran everywhere. I used to okay. run from my house to school. It was a funny thing. I didn't have a jacket. I know it sounds crazy, but I didn't have a jacket at the time. Yeah. And uh, I would run in New York City winters. Aren't exactly known for being um, everywhere. You know, no one knows. Uh, sorry. Um, it's in New York winters are rather cold. Excuse me for the yeah, background. Just, just a little, just a <laughs> yeah. little, right? So I would run from my house to track practice or my house to school. So I kind of had to be a runner, I guess, if you will. Absolutely. And the other one was, was martial arts. Yes. And then martial arts was my other thing. I devoted my life to martial arts from, I can't tell you from what age. So when everyone else was uh, smoking cigarettes or hanging around, I'm not going to say I was a nerd or a good kid, but I was out there stretching, trying to study physics or chemistry or something like that. So which martial art? I started with judo when I was about seven or nine years old. Then I got into the, uh, I, I hate to use the word basics, but I got into Taekwondo and Shotokan. And then by college, I was exposed to uh, uh, Kune Do, Wing Chun, and then eventually Ninjutsu which was one of my Jeet Kune Do and Ninjutsu, my two favorite martial arts. And then I eventually, when I left college, I was, you know, joined the military and I was traveling all over the world. So I'd be Aikijitsu here, Aikido over here, whatever, Muay Thai, whatever uh, that the, the city or the state had to offer. Gotcha. So after high school, mm -hmm. you go to college. Where do you go to college? I went to NYU, New York University. And, and why I did you pick NYU? Um, first generation college, uh, if you will. At that time, it was it was uh, a very prestigious. It still is, obviously, a very prestigious school, yeah. and it was just a big thing. It's right in the city. They had a great program, and I applied there. I got in, yeah. um, and then I just wound up going. I didn't. I didn't. I was not able to graduate from there. It was uh, a little bit too expensive, and back then we didn't have an internet, so I didn't know things about it. being first generation. You don't know things about scholarships, where to go for loans, and uh, I just was literally, you know, you walk into school with $50 in your pocket, and your first book is $100. I was right. like, I can't even, couldn't afford to eat. I lived off of uh, ramen noodles, yeah. uh, five for a dollar, uh, pizza crusts, yeah. and uh, chicken, uh, uh, we call them the, uh, what do you call the, uh, what was it, uh, ah, the ends of the chicken, the chicken cartilage that people didn't eat. I know it sounds really horrible, but that's kind of what I lived off of in college. Well, that's the, that's that, the cheapest thing you can get, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? They and do what then, you got to do. You got to have protein. I did, yeah. Exactly. And then I went to, I transferred to Mercy College yeah. uh, on a scholarship, uh, athletic scholarship and uh, 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 academic scholarship. Mm -hmm. And that changed my life. I wound up taking uh, anatomy and physiology courses with Cadaver. I was working, I was taking postgraduate courses undergrad, finished that. Uh, I was pre-med, pre-bio, I mean, pre-med, pre-nursing. If you name that there was a health profession out there, I made sure I had the requisites for it. And then I realized towards the end of my education, my, uh, my, my bachelor's degree, that I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to 
give the cure for cancer. I wanted to develop the cure for cancer. I wanted the PhD route vice the MD route. Gotcha. And I was intent, and this is where we'll have a pause in a second, uh, for the next phase, I was uh, looking at going to John Jay for forensic science for my master's. Right. Uh, but then I decided to go to the Marine Corps with the intent of getting out after a few years ago to John Jay. And so that Marine didn't work Corps out. Was, so the idea of, of going to the Marine Corps, was that was that basically to pay for college? No, not at all. Uh, at the end, when I couldn't afford to go to school, uh, anymore, I decided let me try to join the military, and uh, I when I almost signed the paperwork, I was all set to join. I figured this is you know I can't sit home and do nothing. Right. At least I'll get some type of education or training in the military. Sure. I was about to join, and then I wound up getting a scholarship, so I went back to school, and then I still I got that bug. I I was so enthralled with the military, and I was like, I'll, I'll finish school and then join the Marine Corps afterwards. Uh, I read too many books that I told you about King Arthur, Achilles, yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah. I figured I didn't want to read books. You know, I didn't want to read about history. I wanted to make history. How's that? I got you. I got you. So why the Marine Corps? <laughs> Toughest one out there. That was pure and simple. It was the most challenging. Uh, I was the recruiters. Uh, they have a special way, apparently, of recruiting people like me. I went into the Navy and I took a practice uh, ASVAP test and I did exceptionally well. Yeah. And I was trying to ask him if I was going to wear a uniform. I was going to go in the field. And he's like, oh, no, you're going to be, you want to be a corpsman. You know, you're going to be in a hospital. You won't even know what military life is like. I'm like, you're not selling me, guy. Like, I yeah. want to get dirty. Right. And I walked out and I'll never forget there was a Marine in his uh, dress blue deltas. So that's the uh, blue pants with the short shirt sleeve shirt. And he says, you think you got what it takes to be a Marine? I'm like, what? Captain of the track team. I do Kung Fu. I'm a, I'm a sensei. I'm like, I, I could do hundreds of, give me the paper. I'll sign right now. Right. He completely got me. Hook, yeah. line, and sinker. One so, question. So, <laughs> no. He asked you one yeah, question. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's it. He just asked, do you think you have what it takes? He challenged Closed me. you, didn't he? He got, closed right? me in a tenth of a second. Yep. So we talked Every... a lot. We talk a lot on this podcast about the power of questions. Mm -hmm. It was question. That's all. I was, yeah, absolutely. And the, all the other services, what made the Marine Corps recruiter different than all the other services, is that every other service said, "This is what we could do for you." Yeah. The Marine Corps said, "What can you do for us?" Or right. do you have what it takes right. to be one of us? Yeah. And that I had, I took it as a challenge, and I wind up sticking around the Marine Corps for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And they did that on purpose, right? Because oh, every, I mean, every Marine you've ever met in your life <laughs> is big time gung ho. And they are absolutely going to not only reach that level, they're going to smash through it. Right? Completely. There's a determination about Marines that you don't find anywhere else in the world. When I went through officer candidate school, uh, there were there was a one of the uh, he's a major I can't remember his name and he was talking to us and he said how many of you were the captains of your team how many of you run marathons how many of you went to Ivy League schools they go general and everyone's raising their hands the gentleman look to your left to your right look to your front back the bar has just been raised you are standard now yeah I might have been the big guy on the block where I'm from but it, when I joined the Marine Corps I was I run track. So do I. So do I. Oh, I'm a martial artist. Uh, I, we had two Olympians. Three. Yeah. I went to uh, OCS with three Olympiads. Yeah. Yeah. Olympians. That does not surprise Sorry. me in the least. I mean, if, mm -hmm. you know, if you spend any kind of time at all with Marines, you understand the mentality, right? 
Like I was driving behind a, a gorgeous brand new Corvette the other day and it said Marine for life mm -hmm. on, the, on the license plate, you know, like yep. it's Marine always, baby. Always. And that's exactly it. I, I'm very proud of my time. Good times, had great times, had some bad times, but the great times overshadow, they outweigh any bad time I could have possibly had in the Marine. Well, the bad times prepared you for where you are today, right? Yes, so absolutely. To an extent, you almost embrace them because of what you learned from it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> that which does so, not kill us makes us stronger. That's it. That's it. I totally agree with that. So how long were you in the Marine Corps? Uh, 20 years. I okay. served as an assault amphibian officer, Okay. Uh, which is in plain speak, it would be an amphibious mechanized armored personnel carrier. Okay. Um, so imagine I'm an amphibious mechanized infantry. There we go. Gotcha. That's the best way to describe it. I got gotcha. you. Okay. So, so what was your favorite thing? about being in the Marine Corps for 20 years? Leading Marines. Um, I might have had, you know, it's it, it, different people join for different reasons. Different yeah. people have different personalities. I like to say that I have a personality yeah. and I loved being around my Marines. It's to this day, if you look at my Facebook page, 90% of the people are my, my sergeants, corporals, master sergeants, a few officers, <laughs> very few officers, yeah. but most of them were all my enlisted Marines. And that was, well, there's nothing better than i know misery loves company but <laughs> when you're freezing with a bunch of your marines and i just i'll never forget looking like guys this we're in 29 palms for example we're in cold yeah. weather training and we'd be like it's hot it's cold it's just ridiculous and i go gentlemen right. look at this this weather is just is horrible it sucks right i'm like embrace it embrace the suck because no one could ever brag about being in the field in 75 degree weather with beautiful skies right a great story is told when it's zero or 120 degrees it's raining in a jungle it's been raining for a week your stories will always be better than what everyone else can tell right and you're in a chemical suit right yeah oh, that was a rack of f1 yes yes we were in our nbc suits for uh, the greater majority of the push to baghdad yeah uh, yes <laughs> just so we're clear right? and you had seconds <laughs> literally seconds to put that thing on right, right. so the alarm sounds you got to put that thing on fast no, no, it wasn't the, the alarm. Last one. It was the chicken. If yeah. the chicken died, yeah. then you put it on. We had yeah. chickens because, you know, like the canary. And yep. if the chicken died, not realizing the chicken might be old or right. might be 140 degrees or right. sick. The minute the chicken died, you had to put the uh, gas mask on. Everyone's freaking out. And it's like, chicken's old. The right. chicken died of the heart, the heart attack. Right. Yeah, exactly. It had nothing to do with, you know. Uh, with any uh, NBC, you know, attack. Yeah, what a crack up. All right, so you're in for 20 years. Then where do you go? Um, I always said when I got out, uh, my uh, one of my senior officers asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I want to do something. I've been in the market for 20 years. I'd like to do something that's exceptionally challenging. Right. Something, you know, that I, that I could really put out there. So I want to go to culinary school. There you so, go. <laughs> So I wound up going to culinary school. It's in my blood, you know, I'm half Italian. Yeah. Uh, while I was in the Marine Corps, I went up against Bobby Flay many, many years ago. Wow. I was on yeah, I was in Throwdown with Bobby Flay, season one, episode five. Uh, number one show on the network and the number one episode on the show. Yeah. I got offered my own show primetime many, many years. I was just always in Iraq or about to go to Afghanistan or something like that during that time period. And uh, it's just something I've always, you know, people come up to me, you're a great chef. I'm like, I'm not a chef. I'm just a guy who cooks very well. Until I have that little piece of paper that says I graduated from culinary school, I'm just a guy who cooks very well. 
So now right. you can call me Major D or Chef D, if right. you wish. So I went to culinary school, got offered a job as an instructor before I graduated. <laughs> yeah, you did. And then after that, COVID hit, which prevented me from continuing. I did graduate, but I did want to go for some more advanced training. I did study in Thailand and Singapore. I wanted to, uh, uh, you know, go to uh, New Mexico. I was supposed to uh, uh, go to New Mexico, Greece. I can't remember some of the other countries. I want to just, just literally leave for like a year and just study. Right. And then after that was done, uh, I got into my uh, my scotch butter. I actually started pursuing my PhD, which I'm almost okay. done. So, so I'll be a you, doctor. Where did you pursue your PhD? Uh, University of Miami. And why did you pick the University of Miami? Oh, uh, it's close by. It's commutable. Um, it's a good. But you school. lived there at the time. Yes, I live in Miami right now. I got you. So, but so you lived Miami, there at the time that you that yes. you picked Miami. I got you. Okay. So and that NYU, right? You were right there. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. It's easy. I can get down there anytime. So you're a hurricane. And, um, no, I I didn't grow up with college football. I'm a Yankee. You know, I yeah. never understood the infatuation with college football over professional really? football. Yeah, yeah I was college football. Yeah, Giants fan. I know. There and when go. I joined the Marine Corps, one of the major culture shocks was finding people who chose their um, college based on the football team. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, wait, so you're choosing by the college team by educational merit. I yeah. I don't comprehend that. Yeah. Uh, which is alien to me. And they said, you just yeah. don't know you're a Yankee. So I was like, okay. So uh, when I was this tall, I was growing up in Oklahoma where I was born. <laughs> and me and a bunch of my friends all wanted to play for Barry Switzer. Okay. It's the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners at the time. And they mm -hmm. were winning national championships and they were an amazing team and the whole thing. So I basically became an Oklahoma fan at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, it just got worse. Mm -hmm. It just got worse. Now I just bleed Oklahoma red. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's mm -hmm. I went to the I went to the blood bank the other day and the the girl that was taking my blood said, So can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She goes, Do you spend a lot of time outside? And I said, Yeah, why? And she goes, You have some of the brightest blood we've ever seen here. <laughs> And I'm like, it's Oklahoma Crimson, baby. That's yep. the reason, you know? It's not the being outside mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> yeah. I was given uh, Oklahoma hat by a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I would say that it saved my face because we'd be so tired dissecting the cadavers yeah. that the brim, as I'd fall asleep, the yeah. brim would prevent my face from planting into a corpse, I guess, if you will. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Sooner, baby. <laughs> hey, we're, we're bringing it no matter where it is. All right, mm -hmm. so... So you, so you, you, you're get into the PhD program at, at Miami, right? So what happens? You're in the PhD program at Miami. What happens that brings you to create scotch? The right, your scotch. All right. So for that, we have to go back in time a few years. Okay. And so. what happened? I was stationed in California in uh, 29 Palms, which is basically Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah, Middle yeah. of the desert, nothing there. I had just come from like areas like Camp Lejeune, uh, places that I know, it's just not me. Again, as a Yankee, they're not the greatest places in the world for a right. city, a sing, especially a single city guy, you yeah. know, who's half Italian, who loves yeah. food. Talks with his so hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It just wasn't my... And I, you know, granted, I've been to Iraq and, you know, places I've been to the field and I, and I enjoyed it. But when you come out, you want, it's something you want better. 
The only one is what you ask for. But when you're in the Marine Corps and around every base, even the Army, when you get off base, you're like, hey, can I have a cheeseburger with no mayo? And they give you the burger with mayo. Can I please just have a, a haircut that's not crooked? Can right. I just have a glass of water with ice? Just and one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they know that whatever they give you, it's going to be better than what you get at base. And after a while, you get sick of it. I'm not asking for champagne. Right. I'm just, I believe, it's not that I believe that I deserved better. I just believe right. I deserve what I asked for. Yeah. I'm not so, going to the tavern on the green, right? Come on. Yes. Now, right? Yeah. yeah. So here I am. I'm in uh, Los Angeles and I'm not, uh, I know LA somewhat. So please excuse me if I mess up the areas. And we were at a bar it might be borders. I can't really remember, but there was a guy there and he said, Hey, are you guys in the service? And I was, you know, this guy was in the service, but got out. My buddy never went. There's a few of us. And I was like, well, you know, they're like, I was, I'm a Marine active duty. Yeah. So, hey, I'd love to buy you a drink. Thank you for your service, which is not uncommon. So yeah. I was like, Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. So he's like, he buys me a shot and I drank it and it was like battery acid mixed with rot gut. Oh, boy. And I, at first, I thought maybe the guy was hitting on me, you know, and I was like, hey, I'll take the drink. Thanks a lot. You know, I don't care. And then, and then the other one, I, after I took a sip, I just realized either he's playing a joke or he's un unpatriotic. You know, right. like, you know it's like, great. And right. I was, I got to be honest, it put me in an exceptionally bad mood. When, it, when you tell, like, I couldn't, it left a bad taste in my mouth. That yeah. is the best way, literally, figuratively, that's exactly what happened. Gotcha. So we wound up bar hopping to a few areas, and I was just livid. I was angry. I can't get what I want. I just want one good thing. Can't I have a glass of cold water? Can't I have a, a, a pizza that's crunchy? I mean, just, just something nice. Right. So we hit a few bars, and I think we might have been in the Huntington area. Huntington yeah. Beach area? Huntington Beach, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where it was. And then we walk into a place, and I had spent some time in Miami working in the Caribbean for about three and a half years. So I know rum like the back of my hand. Yeah. And I walk in. Let me just go with what I know. And right. I, I didn't know California's not exactly a rum town. Yeah. So I said, hey, what do you have for rum? And he mentioned, you know, rum that was very, very plain, like, yeah, like, well. And right. I was like, don't you have anything else? And this is, that's the best you got, you know? And he's like, dude, look up. This is a scotch bar. Right. And I looked up and I I was in shock. And I just, it was a beautiful bar. The whole top of the bar is surrounded with scotches. And I pulled out my uh, Navy Fed. I'll never forget that. It was my red card. I threw it out and I said, teach me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, teach me. I know nothing about scotches. I could talk about rum all day long, but I know absolutely nothing about scotches, whiskeys, bourbons, whatever. I go, just don't rip me off. That's all I ask. So he's like, really? You thought I was happy. This guy was jumping around. Okay, this is this, and this is Lefroy, which I still call the frog to this day as a joke. Right. And he was like, this you need to have with water. Never let your bartender uh, put any water in your drink. Always ask for it on the side unless you know he's your bartender. And he started teaching me. And I was there for about a good hour to two hours. Wow. And I didn't even, give me, didn't even get smashed, didn't get drunk because he was giving me a little micro taste. And he was just so happy to pass on knowledge, you know, from, you know, to me. Because he was right. like, wow. You really... So I get back home and um, I start my own because I had a rum collection when I was in Miami. And I was like, well, you know, at this point, I have a check, free time. I have a nice bar over here. Let's work on this. So I started working with different types of scotches, you know, started with whiskeys, went into scotches. And then I started building, uh, I won't say it was a prestigious, but, a, you know, a pretty decent collection of of scotches. Yeah. And then uh, you have to understand cooking is in my blood. I make my own beer, I make my own wine, I make my own mead, make my own sausage. I, you know, it's it's my it's my love. So I learned about this thing called a legacy bottle or infinity bottle. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, well, let's try it. So I had like a couple of, uh, you know, about two fingers left of like, you know, scotch A. And I was like, you know, I really, really like this as a base. So I poured it in my decanter. And then after maybe a week or a month or something like that, I was like, you know, this would be great if I had a little bit more of that. You know, then I called it a smoky flavor. And I was like, okay, I put that. And then as I started like finding scotches and whiskeys, well, excuse me, scotches that I liked, I started adding it to my my decanter, if you will, right. or my, my bottle. Mm -hmm. And people say, so you only use the best. I'm like, no, I can't say that. I use the best for my blend. Because right. sometimes the best scotch, cheese, wine, whatever, is not necessarily appropriate or the best for the meal. Right. So I just kept adding, adding, and uh, it's been over a year at that point. And I had something that I thought it was perfect. It, it's you know it was almost at the top. It wasn't quite filled, but I'm like I don't want to add anything else. Now, right. I have dinner parties at my house at least once a week. Yeah. Um, and I'm major events you know, from me and my friends. Yeah. So here I am. I, I finally pull it out and I'm like, okay, guys, it's ready. Yeah. And they're like, okay. So we tried it and everybody loved it. And then after party after party, because I was only giving out one sample, right. I noticed the level of the bottle is going down and down. It's not going to replenish itself. Right. And I might have had some idea, you know, some notes of what was in there, but it's going to be exact. It's perfect. Right. I do not want to mess with it. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. And then I had a memory of two people in my life. My uncle Luciano, who makes his, he used to make his own wine. He calls up California or some place or a vineyard. And then I want a 43% this and a 2% this and a 25%. And they mail him several cases a year, right. a case a month or something like that. And the other one was my old boss, Colonel Gus Augustine Bologna. He's a cigar aficionado. He's he's there like, okay, uh, I want a... a, a what do you call that? A Connecticut wrapper mm -hmm. with a Honduran fill with this shape, with this gauge. So I'm thinking if these guys can get cigars and wines made, there has to be a way to make a scotch. Right. So but I don't know who to go to because I'm not in the alcohol business. So I have a good friend of mine, Jim Landis. We went to college together. We went to NYU together. We both did Kung Fu together. We did. We were in class together. And I remember he has a, uh, a large, very long uh uh, family background in the spirits business. In fact, mm -hmm. he uh, brought about this one drink you might know, Hypnotic. You know, yeah. that was one of his. He owns quite a few other ones. His dad brought Finlandia to America. So I called him up and I'm like, Jim. He's like, yeah. He's like, you, uh, are you still in the alcohol business? He's like, uh, I live and breathe it. It's yeah. like, do you still cook? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, hey, the and I told still him. Blue? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he tells me, I was like, listen, I tell my story and I go, is there a way I can get like maybe a few cases a year, maybe like a case every quarter, something along that. It's like, yeah, too easy. It's not a problem. I'll be down there. Not a problem. Next time I'm going to come down because he's, he's me every quarter and I said, see him. We'd have dinner. So he comes down and he uh, has a taste of it over my carbonara. I make one of the best carbonaras you'll ever eat. And he says, like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. You know, he's like, you know, I, you know, it's worth, you know, reproducing. I can, I can, I'll take care of it for you. Don't worry about it. So months later, um, he's like, hey, this is what I got. He comes down again, oh, actually over months later, because mm -hmm. he's never done every quarter. So he comes down and he's, you know, presents me with these three bottles. And then he's like, which one do you like the most? And it's typical Marine Corps fashion. You have the first is good, the third is good, but the, the second one is is the best. And I was right. like, that, that's the one I want. And he goes, that's the closest that we can get to your scotch. So yeah. I'm like, great. So after a, a little bit of an investment in this, right. uh, because small, when you're making small batches, it's not cheap. Right. Um, I get about, I can't remember, I get a few cases 
And I now I open up the bottles to my friends and they are loving it. They're yeah. like, this is great. Where can I buy a bottle? Where can I get it? And I'm like, well, and I'm like, it's not for sale. You can't. This is mine. This is, this is private, the Dominiani yeah. blend. Yeah. yeah. This is Casa Dominiani blend. You're not going right. to find it. Say, oh, well, let me buy a bottle. I'm like, I, I can't sell it to you. This is not for sale. I don't charge you when you come to eat. How am I supposed to charge you when you come, you know, to my house? Right. So then, and then one of my buddies, a very strong New York guy, hey, you know what you got to do? You got you to get this out, bro. You yeah. know, this is, you know, you got to be able, you got to sell this. I'd buy a bottle. I'd buy a case right now. And I'm, right. So I say, like, you guys would really buy this. So I call up Jim again, and I was like, Jim, I got to ask you an honest question. I've known you for a year, for a few, quite a bit of time. Do two things. Did you really, really like my scotch? He's like, yeah, it was a really good scotch. You know, it's, 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 it stands, it's a standalone. It's pretty good. Number two, do you think I could take this out of my house? Or do you think people would buy this? And he's like, with the right advertising, the right bottling, the right, you know, you know, just, you know, name out there and et cetera, et cetera. We, I think we could do that. So I'm like, he's like, are you interested? And I, I know what he was getting at. I was like, Jim, I don't know anything about the alcohol business. I would love to bring this out there. So he kind of, you know, put me on his shoulder, like, and I know, took me under his shoulder. And, uh, and then he, uh, you know, we basically are here right now. Uh, but one part I would definitely love to mention is how we got the name. Okay. Because that was a, that was a momentous day. So, He's like, what do you want to name this? Right. And I'm like, you know, my last name, Dominiani, is such a beautiful name. Yeah. It's a great name for an Italian restaurant. It's a great name for wine, for a box of pasta, but it doesn't go with scotch. Yeah, it's not a scotch I name. Need, it's not a scotch <laughs> name. And Casa Dominiani, I, I thought I was going to make wine. I always thought I was going to have my own wine label, yeah. but never a scotch. Well, that's so, like, hey, you're still young. I'm still, I can that still do happen. it. Yeah, absolutely. That might so I'm thinking, so he's like, well, what are you thinking? Like, listen, nothing against any of the other scotches out there or any of the other whiskeys and bourbons, but I really don't want to be associated. I, I want to be away from that, a step away from those honey bourbons and those uh, peanut scotches and stuff like that. Right. I want something that's, you know, that, that's resilient. It's pure, uh, you know, true, just, you know, just, just standalone, good, pure, pristine. And I, I believe I use the word pristine. And he starts laughing. Yeah. And he's got his clipboard. He's holding his clipboard like this. And he goes, yeah. Fior. And I'm like, I said nothing Italian. Fior right. is flower in Italian. It's like, yeah. no, in Scottish Gaelic, it means pure, like true. And, you know, and I was like, done. He's like, well, number two, don't read me number two. You're going to ruin it. I don't right. want to hear number two. I don't want to hear right. number three. Right. We're done. Fior, yeah. done. So then, of I course, like we got it. into... Yeah, and then we got into the bottle, the, the uh, you know, the, the the design, you know, when you're in the military, you played, you know, you've read King Arthur and stuff like that. You're into a little bit of heraldry always catches you. So like it's Scottish, we got to have something, you know, something Scottish on the bottle and you have yep. the, the, the lion rampant. And so we just kind of went from there and we cut this off and added this and looked at the shape of the bottle. I had to have a nice feel and I learned so much from him. Uh, yeah. I, I owe him everything. Without him, I would still be like you know trying to make my perfect wine to this yeah. day so and then here we are now six Dominiani six wine. awards later <laughs> exactly. wine. yeah true 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 so right. six six awards later uh we're, we're we are now here and we have fewer scotch yeah i'm i'm excited for you buddy i'm proud of you this it's <laughs> it's good stuff and i you know i told you before we started i'm 57 years old and never had scotch before in my mm -hmm. life i never had scotch before right and my daughter who's 23 it's won her over too so um i mean it's it's got a 
it's it's smooth, right? But it's got a little bit of a tingle going down. Right. Um, yeah. And you can taste, there's different tastes to it. Like you can taste different things in it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just cool. I mean, I, I like it. I really do. A lot of people, when they ask me to describe it, they're like, oh, it has a caramelly and apple flavor. It's oh. got woody. You know, I'm not an expert. Neither are you. And no. me and you can taste the same exact thing. And I'm going to find notes of apple. Yeah. I mean, you're going to find I, notes of caramel. I, that's what I noted was apple. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. Absolutely. But again, you know, you have different tastes buds than me. So I like to say this. It is not a perfect blend. Yeah. But I will say it's perfectly balanced. There yeah. is... Whenever you meet a person who says, I don't like scotch, it's too smoky, it's too right. peaty. Well, those are characteristics from specific areas of Scotland yeah. that may not be from other areas. You might, if you like something really, really smoky, quote unquote, smoky, peaty, that's from here. If you want something more minerally, almost salty from here, here. So when you say you don't like scotch, well, you don't like it from that area. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. So what I did is try to make a scotch that not only I would enjoy, yeah. But that my friends would. I cut my teeth on cal on Talisker, which is exceptionally like it's 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 it it is a fireplace. It is sucking on, and I like that. Don't get me wrong. It is sucking on a piece of charcoal, and I say yeah. fuel or is being at a fire at a, like a, a campfire, but yeah. not sucking on a charcoal briquette. Yeah, no, you know, I, and yeah, it's 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 really cool. You did a great job. I think Thank it's you. The perfect. I think it's the perfect scotch for you. That's mm -hmm. why you picked it, right? People need to try it to see if it's the perfect scotch for them. Yes. Right. Because they absolutely because some people want a stronger note or a stronger. I want a more of a burn. I want a stronger taste. It's like, yeah, yeah absolutely. But I guarantee you this. If you try the scotch, I guarantee you the, you know, it mean it, most people love it. Yeah. Very few people I've said. Some people might be like, I really wish it had more of a, a of this note or that note, but you right. hit center mass. Yeah, that's the part I'm proud of. There, yeah. it has elements that everyone is going to enjoy. Yeah, and you should be proud of it, man. I mean, you should. You know, this was this was a real endeavor, right? It was awesome that you had a mentor, that you had somebody who helped you with it, and that's what <laughs> life's all about, right? So mm -hmm. one of these days, and this has probably already happened to you, you're going to come across a young person like you used to be, right? You're going to come across a young person that needs guidance, that you see needs a little bit of help. In honor of, of Jim and in honor of all the people that have helped you in your life, pay it forward, right? I've stopped for a second, you know, come alongside them mm -hmm. and help them. That's what I've, this is all about. As a community, we enrich each other. Yeah, I've lived my life with that. I was yeah. a big brother when I was in college. I had a, a kid from a foster home. Um, I'm actually was very interested in you. I just don't have the time right now. Right. And that is something actually I tell a lot of people. There was no one there for me. I never had that person to, Jim is the first person ever, yeah. ever to like, you know, help me out and stuff like that. I'm very, very grateful for him. Um, I, the best way I, I could say I've done that was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. You see that one lieutenant or that one sergeant, you know, it's the, you know, you just give them like, hey, just, just that little bit of advice. Forget about help. You don't even have to give them help. Yeah. Just five seconds of your time and go right. go left instead of going right. Yeah. Try this instead of that. Yeah. But all I ask is this. Same thing. It's like you'll see sometimes, you know, uh, you know, things that I've done when I was younger. I had too much food uh, for Christmas. I had a whole bag of stuff as a homeless guy, and you know, I gave it to him. It's paella, paella. Yeah. 
Yeah. And as a homeless guy, he's looking at me. I'm like, listen, I'm going to be on the road. I'm not going to be able to eat it. All I ask is that when you are not hungry and you see someone else who's hungry, mm-hmm. just pass, just pass. This is before that term pay it forward came out. This yeah. is 1991. Yeah. Just do me, a, just do me a favor and help someone else out. That's it. Yeah. So this is the first time someone's paid back has yeah. done it to me. So I like to say that hopefully, uh, uh, you know, this is something that I deserve. You know, um, it is. I feel really great forward, about it. Going forward, right? That's and I I know this is how you're built, right? Mm-hmm. Loved you loved leading Marines. Mm-hmm. You love being around people. You love adding value to people's lives, mm-hmm. right? And that's what you're about. That's how you roll, man. And that's what I'm so excited about for your future is your opportunity to lead, your opportunity to help, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's you know I was just I was just on social media the other day I. I went to a restaurant I've gone to for two years. And one of the guys that I know really well knows me on a first name basis. I walked up to him, patted him on the back and said, you're doing a great job. He nearly started crying. Mm -hmm. You never know what people are going through. You know this. You never know what they're going through. Just pat them on the back and acknowledge them. Exactly. For what they're doing, right? Like thanking you for your service. Thanking you for protecting our great nation, right? that kind of thing, you know, that's, it only takes a second, but yeah, people, I, people being recognized, appreciate it. That validation is big. Yeah. I, I know that if I would, there is one story I'd really love to tell. It's not really pertaining to the scotch. If I have about 30 seconds to do so. You have all um, the time you need. Thank you. When I was in 29 Palms, it's really sad. I'm kind of like misting up, but uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's middle of nowhere. It's a job just sand and, and grass. And I used to go to this little place. I can't remember the name of it. It was, a, they sold ice cream and craft beer. Mm-hmm. And I think frozen. To me, it was one of the best places to eat. And there was this kid there um, that I didn't realize. Uh, there was this kid there. He was talking to me. And we just, you know, he was really young. He was probably about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, hey, are you in the military? And I obviously said I was the only one who didn't have a mohawk with, you know, the lip rings and, uh, you know, and it was all that other stuff. I'm Mr. Clean Cut, you know, no tattoos at the time. And uh, I just obviously stood out. And they all knew me because they're like, it's that guy. Yeah. And I was talking to him, and he says, like, yeah, my dad was a SEAL. Uh, I am a SEAL. was like my grandfather or something like that. And they said I would never amount to it and blah, blah, blah. And I always wanted to join the military, but, you know, I had a problem with drugs and stuff like that. And I said, well, you're not going to – you know, you'll never get there unless you try. You know, forget about what they said. If they say you don't have it, use that as a, a stepping stone. Take all that frustration from them telling you you're not doing it and use it as a stepping stone to try to succeed in life. Right. And it's not hard. You know, do you think I was strong when I was younger? I was weak and I just got tired of getting picked on. And I said, hold on a sec. And I went in and I always had a Green Lantern T-shirt. Mm-hmm. It's something that's a symbolism for me and my friends. I was a little bit of a, it was a superhero gift to me. Yeah. Uh, and it was all ripped up in holes and stuff like that. And I went to my car. I'll be right back in a second. I gave them. And it's like when they tell you that you won't amount to anything, you know, maybe it's just like, a, you know, you could be your own superhero. Yeah. The kid broke down crying yeah. in front of me. And he said, thank you. No one's ever said anything like that to me before. And I didn't think anything of it. You know? So I was like, I'd use that. At that point, I was very uh, still stoic, you know. And uh, his stepfather, I didn't know his stepfather, his mother, worked behind the counter. And they thanked me. I didn't know because uh, the kid's white. The stepfather's black. His mother is white. Yeah. And he says, you know, that's my son. 
and it's not even his own father is interested that to him. It was uh it was a very good day for me, I guess. You know, I didn't mean anything by it. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine, dude. This is what I'm talking about, though. Okay. This is what I'm talking about. We get so busy and we get so wound up in what we're doing and we get so focused on what we're on what we're trying to produce, right? And and we don't take the time to look around us and appreciate the people that are around us, right? That's a big deal. What what you experienced is a big deal. And I want people to hear it. I want people to take a lesson from what you experienced from that story. And I want them to use it to go out and make this world a better place. Because that's and it's easy. That's what it, yeah, it's, it's very the simple. Worst, right? The worst part is people don't realize how simple it is to make yeah. a difference in someone's yeah. life. Just like you said, it's just a pat on the back. Yeah. It's just the instead of throwing the food in the garbage, give it to the homeless guy who's right. sitting there. You don't yeah. have to you don't have to give a guy a dollar or yeah. a nickel or, or or give him a car. Right. You know, maybe just list, give him five seconds of your time. Smile yeah. at the person. Smile. You know, Leave just smile him. and go, hey, right? man. And yeah. it's like, hey, great shirt. Yeah. Awesome shoes. Where'd you get yes. those? Even yes. if you don't care, just you know, everyone's got a story and people want to hear, you know, they, they want to tell you their stories. And sometimes they just need someone to just say, I'm having a great day today. Forget about all the bad stuff in my life. Today, wow, what a beautiful day. I'm like, you know, it is. Yeah. May you have a great one. And actually, uh, this is part that I forgot. My uh, fewer Scotch host. I don't know if you've heard about that. So um, I, I I live, my, my household, I keep certain rules in my house. I, I, my, my house is an extension of myself. Right. Okay, it's uh, this is uh, Casa Dominiani. This is you know King Arthur's castle, whatever you want to call it. Right. And I have a Dominiani toast. This is my household toast, and it's also I put it towards Fiore as well. You take your glass. Unfortunately, I don't have one, but you would do. You look at the person in the eye, and you say, "May you get what you deserve." And if the person looks at you and says, "Yo, what is that supposed to mean?" You know the person didn't live a good life. Yeah. But when the per when you go up to the person and say, may you get what you deserve, and they go, you know, brother, thank you so much. May you get what you deserve. You know you're, you're talking to a person that's led a good life. Yeah. So that's that's my big thing. I just absolutely love it when you go, may you get what you deserve. Yeah. I love, so, it. I love it. I love it. See, that's it. What you just shared with us in terms of telling people your story, right? You just told us your story. We've got it on tape. And now people worldwide are going to get a chance to get to know you. And your story is going to inspire and motivate them. I promise. I and hope it does. Pay it forward because of the example you've set. I hope it does. And, uh, you know, people have asked me, for, I've already had people ask me advice. I do my best to answer as many people as I can. I just, I'm only one person, you know, and I don't want, you know, some people, oh, I hire someone to do that or something like that. No, then it's, you're not getting advice from me. You know, right. I would never do that. I may not get around to it. It's not because I'm ignoring you. I just can't get to that many people. Right. But they ask me like, what do you recommend? Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to make my own scotch. I want to make my own bourbon. I want to do this. I'm like, unless you know somebody in the alcohol business, right. don't do it. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's not easy. It's really, yeah. really not easy. I, well, I have some advice for you. <laughs> yeah, I just tell people, I am not a master blender. I have a master blender. 
I am not a amazing Somalia, a this, that, whatever you want to call it. I just got lucky. Yeah. That's that's all I can say. You know, and there was a lot of love. You know, I put my soul into this. I'll say that, you know, and if you put your soul into anything, if you put your heart in your soul, you know, like the muses, you know, um, you know, you an artist has to put his heart and soul into it. A person who just dances without love for what he does is not a dancer. A person who cooks and just I'm just going to throw stuff together. That's that's why microwaves were created, you know, just to get it done. That's that's fuel. A person who loves to cook creates masterpieces. Yeah, I'm with you, buddy. And I'm so unbelievably proud of you. Eric Dominiani, thank you so much for being our guest on the Michael Litton Experience. Mike, it means a lot. Much appreciated. Please feel free to reach out to me. And like I said, if anyone else wants to know, you can always order. You can always find my scotch at uh, com. And uh, if you do order a bottle, just let me know. My email is right there. Contact yeah. me. Eric D at fewerscotch.com. I would love to know what you think, good or bad. Yeah. You're awesome, buddy. I'm sure proud of you. Much appreciated, yeah. Mike. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.